If you've ever finger picked in any way, shape or form, you owe huge thanks to one single artist, and that's Elizabeth Cotton. Yes, indeed, today we're gonna have a look at her acoustic life. From her beginnings, her guitar journey, iconic albums, and how you can incorporate elements of her style into your own playing. Hey, TAC family, welcome to episode 192 of the Acoustic Tuesday Show. This show's all about bringing fun, focus, and progress to your guitar journey through my weekly Guitar Geek list, plus success stories from your fellow TAC members. Do you ever find yourself at the end of the day just vegging out and watching TV? And then by the time you go to bed, you're feeling guilty that you didn't play guitar at all? Well, today you're gonna learn how to avoid that. You're gonna be meeting TAC member Jessica B, who's learned some valuable lessons about her routine. She's also gonna share some tips with you on how to develop a routine and what to do when your routine looks less than ideal. Plus your weekly dose of acoustic guitar news is bookended by folk powerhouses, one old and one new. And speaking of folk powerhouses, let's go ahead and learn about Elizabeth Cotton. Elizabeth Cotton is one of the most iconic folk musicians, period. And the funny thing is, is she never set out to become a well-known folk musician. She never set out to become an iconic folk musician. She simply just enjoyed playing music. She was born right around 1892 in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And to me, the standout thing when it comes to her and her guitar playing is that she played a right-handed guitar left-handed with the strings upside down and she played finger style, which means that her index finger was responsible for playing the bass and her thumb was responsible for playing the melody. Now, this is completely backwards when it comes to the traditional approach of fingerstyle guitar, where the converse is true. Your thumb plays the bass and your index finger plays the melody. So if you see any footage of Elizabeth Cotton playing and you look at her picking hand, it's simply mesmerizing and mind-blowing. In fact, you're gonna see some of that very footage a little bit later on today's episode. One of the other things that I think is a standout is that she's self-taught on guitar and banjo, which takes an insane amount of determination, especially at that time. Right around the 1900s, there was no online lessons, there was no YouTube, and there likely wasn't any in-person teachers at all. So as I mentioned, it took an insane amount of determination for her to teach herself how to play the guitar. In fact, it took an insane amount of determination for her to get her first guitar. I found an interview where she describes what it took, and it's pretty, pretty incredible. Here she is. When I went to her house, I started to work for her that day, and I worked for her until she left Chapel Hill, and her, she paid me 75 cents a month. Well, I didn't know 75 cents wasn't much money. It was a lot of money to me. I'd never worked before. So one morning she came in the kitchen, she says, we gonna give you more money. And she gave me then after that $1 a month. And I gave that to my mother and asked her to buy me this guitar. So she bought it to her sorrow. She didn't get no more rest. See, I was just doing this all the time. I couldn't play it, just making a noise. She stormed to me, she stormed to me and tell me, she called me, babe, babe, put that thing down and go to bed. I said, mama, I'm learning a new song and I won't learn no song because I didn't know one then. I didn't know no songs then. It's fascinating to hear how she saved up for her very first guitar and how infatuated she was with it, how excited she was to learn new songs. 
which makes it even more crazy to hear that she actually gave up playing the guitar because when she joined the church, they said, you can't play that kind of music anymore. So she actually stopped playing guitar until a very serendipitous, fateful moment. She was actually working at a department store, Lanbury's department store during the holidays. And a family came in and purchased some dolls, two dolls to be specific. And while Elizabeth Cotton was gift wrapping those dolls, one of the daughters of the family got lost in the department store. Well, Elizabeth Cotton actually found the daughter. And this family happened to be the Seeger family. Yes, Mrs. Seeger came in with her daughters, uh, Barbara and Peggy, and Peggy's the one that got lost. Well, upon Elizabeth Cotton finding Peggy, she talked to Mrs. Seeger and Mrs. Seeger said, hey, how long have you been working here? And Elizabeth Cotton replied, not very long at all. And she said, well, if you ever want some work, here's my number, give me a call. And I'll let Elizabeth Cotton go ahead and finish the story. I decided to give Mrs. Seeger a ring. She says, come right out. The same day I went out, she started me to work. And I worked for her 10 years. She was a folk singer, music writer. They had two pianos, guitars, banjos, mandolins, all, all kind of string music. Because that made me think about what I used to do, play a guitar a little bit in a banjo. So Peggy kept her guitar in the kitchen hanging. So when Mrs. Seeger go in to start her music, I'd get the guitar and go in the dining room, close the door so that I couldn't be heard. So I was in playing freight train. I was just playing it away. Peggy and Michael walked in. They said, well, Libba, we didn't know you could play a guitar. Well, there's nothing to say I was playing the guitar. So Peggy says to me, what was the song you're playing? I says, freight train. She says, would you teach me how to play that song? I says, certainly. So from that, I started learning Michael and Peggy. What a crazy story so far. At a very young age, Elizabeth Cotton learned and played the guitar. She then quit for some time. She was working at a department store. While working at a department store, she met this family who she later worked for. That family was the Seeger family. Yes, folk music royalty. While working at the Seeger family's household, her love for guitar was completely reignited. In fact, the kids, Mike and Peggy, would request that she play guitar often. And the song that they would request was Freight Train. Elizabeth Cotton wrote that song when she was 12 years old. And I found this funny clip that I have to share with you. This is Elizabeth Cotton talking to a grade school class and she was asked the question, can I be a professional folk singer? And here was her response. You want to become famous right away? Well, all I can say, you write your song and sing it around like I did. And people hear you sing it. And uh, that's what made me famous, that freight train song. And I never did think anything about it. Didn't know it was going to be that. Now, I want to get into the guitar specifics of Freight Train. And before I take you into the studio and show you three elements of Elizabeth Cotton's style that you can apply to your own playing, I want you to listen to and watch Elizabeth Cotton play Freight Train, specifically her picking hand. <laughs> Freight train, freight train, run so 
Now that you've had a chance to see Elizabeth Cotton play, let's dig into three elements of her style that you can bring to your own guitar playing. This is gonna be awesome if you're brand new to finger picking, and this will be equally awesome if you've finger picked for quite some time and you're just looking for maybe a different perspective. Okay, element number one is simple melody. But not just simple melody, simple melody accessed from the chord shapes that you're playing. Yes, indeed, if you watch her play Freight Train, it looks like she's just playing chords, but she's pulling the melody from those very chords. It's one of the basic principles of fingerstyle, and Elizabeth Cotton does it so, so well. So let's go ahead and look at the basic melody of Freight Train played within the chord shapes that are contained in the song. It's so cool to see such a simple melody be pulled from the chord shapes that you're already holding down. And this is the very thing that I want you to borrow from Elizabeth Cotton, and that is whatever chord shape you're holding down, if you happen to have a free finger, let that free finger go exploring to see what other notes are available. Case in point, the C chord, if you grab the C chord, your pinky is free. It's not fretting any strings. So you can actually fret the high E string with it or the B string with it. Right? So that gives you, I mean, you can kind of hear little pieces of Freight Train in there, but even if you're playing a song that's not Freight Train, you can use those free fingers to access melody notes that will accentuate what you're already playing and make it a little bit more interesting. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to element number two, and that is embellishing the melody with a bend. You can hear it in Freight Train, but you can also hear it in other songs that Elizabeth Cotton plays. I, one that comes to mind is uh, the, Wilson Rag, I the Wilson Rag, I believe it's in that song. But she bends the melody note just to kind of give it that little bit of emotion, that little bit of grit, that little bit of mojo, and it's highly effective. It's a simple, small move that really kind of makes the melody pop. Let's go ahead and have a listen, specifically over Freight Train, where it goes to an E minor. Now, when you're bending the note, I don't want you to think that you're moving to a specific pitch. I want you to think that you're just, well, wiggling the note a little bit, just making it a little bit tense, because that's what kind of adds that emotional quality to the melody. Now, I should say a caveat. If the melody calls for you to bend the note to a specific pitch, go ahead and do that, otherwise it's gonna sound weird. But if you're just adding a little bit of mojo, a little bit of zing to a note, you don't have to think a pitch-specific bend. Think of it as an accent. Think of it as a spice, if you wanna parallel it to cooking. Okay, moving on to the final element that I want you to borrow from Elizabeth Cotton. I almost said steal. The final element that I want you to borrow from Elizabeth Cotton's playing is a steady alternating bass. I'm gonna make an amendment to that. A steady and active alternating bass. And you can hear this really in whatever song she plays. Whenever she plays a turnaround, meaning she's reached the end of the song and she's coming back into the beginning again, you can hear that bass is extremely active and it leads the listener. You can also hear it during the song because she uses hammer-ons to kind of go into bass notes. Now, she doesn't do that all the time, but upon listening to quite a few of her albums over the last couple weeks, and really 
my entire guitar journey, but specifically the last couple of weeks, you can hear these subtle hammer-ons into the bass notes that give them this little, again, this pop and makes the bass that much more effective. Now, a lot of this is an artifact of her playing bass with her index finger, but we're gonna translate it into the thumb because chances are you're not playing guitar upside down. So we're gonna look at two things here. The first will be a basic turnaround, and the second will be a basic hammer-on into a bass note. This is something that I think is quintessential Elizabeth Cotton. And when I refer to active bass, this is it. So essentially what she's doing is she's going from a C to a G chord back to a C in a turnaround fashion. And what she's doing is she's really driving the bass and making it interesting. So she's playing the bass note with her thumb and then using her index finger or middle finger, whichever you happen to be using, and kind of playing another string of the chord. Now I'm choosing to play the B string here. And what she's doing is she's alternating the two. She's playing the bass and then a treble string, and then the bass, and then a treble string, and then a bass, and then a treble string, and then a bass, and then a treble string. Now, it sounds weird when I play it slow, but when you play it in time, it's a great way to kind of catch the listener's ear and kind of let them know like, hey, I'm, I'm actually starting the song again right now. So another awesome uh, tip we can borrow from Elizabeth Cotton, those turnarounds are our signature to her style. And I would, I would urge you to listen to any of her songs. And when it comes around to go back to the beginning, she seems to always have an interesting turnaround that has a steady and active bass. Okay, the final thing I wanna have a look at is that hammering on into a bass note. Now again, she doesn't do this all the time, but it's a great way to kind of jump the bass and make the bass stand out. So all you're doing is as you're playing a bass sequence, when you move to the next chord, you jump the bass. So if I'm counting, it's one, two, three, four, and one. So you're actually, your thumb is gonna activate on the and of four, and the hammer-on's gonna land on the one beat. It's a little bit weird to get used to for the picking hand because we're so used to playing the thumb only on the quarter, quarter note, only on the downbeat. This is where I refer to jumping the bass, meaning we're playing on the and of four, but landing the note on the one. Don't do this all the time. I guess you can do it as much as you want, but if you end up doing it all the time, sometimes the one is hard to find and it gets buried. And the one, that downbeat, is really significant to fingerstyle music. But if you wanna add some panache, again, if you wanna make that bass note stand out and kind of jump it a little bit, this is a technique that you can do that really does make the bass stand out. And again, know that it's borrowed and rooted in Elizabeth Cotton's playing. We've talked quite a bit about Elizabeth Cotton, and there's one more thing I wanna leave you with, and that's a list of recommended albums. Albums that I believe you should own, period. As an acoustic guitar geek, you need these albums. Let me go ahead and run down the list. The first one is entitled Freight Train and Other North Carolina Folk Songs and Tunes. This was originally released in 1958, and the reason you need to own this album is because it's quintessential Elizabeth Cotton. But there's two bonus reasons. Number one is there's this element of sweetness because she recorded this album at her home while she was playing to her grandchildren. How cool is that? Here's the second cool thing. The person that recorded the album was Mike Seeger. 
the kid she used to babysit, the kid that she taught guitar. How cool is that? Moving on to the next album, it's entitled Shake Sugary, and you simply need this album because it's an expansion of Elizabeth Cotton's recorded materials. And the third album that you absolutely need, and I, I stand firmly with this recommendation, is her live album released in 1983. There are three reasons that you need to own this album. Number one, it won a Grammy for, hold on, let me get this right, the best ethnic or traditional recording. The second reason you need to own this is because it's her last live recorded performance before she passed away in 1987. And the third reason, probably the most important reason, is because, yes, it contains all the awesome tunes. Yes, her playing is amazing, but in between songs, she tells stories. And to me, that is where this album shines. So yes, indeed, those are three albums for you to continue your Elizabeth Cotton education, if you will. Now, with that being said, I do have a question for you. How did you like this format? Did you like going deep on a singular iconic artist? And if you dug this format, what are some other artists that you wanna learn more about? Maybe learn more about their life, but also their guitar style. Go ahead and leave your answers in the comments below. One of the worst feelings for any guitar geek is the guilt associated with not playing your guitar. And the way that it manifests is this. You finish a busy day, you've got a little bit of free time, so you click on the TV and then you go to bed. But before you fall asleep, you think to yourself, gosh, I had all that free time at the end of the day, why didn't I just play guitar for a little bit? And to me, the answer is pretty easy. You didn't play guitar because you didn't have a routine to reinforce the guitar as a priority in your life. And this exact scenario was true for TAC member Jessica B. Here's what her life looked like before she implemented a guitar routine. So before I had a guitar routine, um, I had been trying to play since I was eight, eight years old, eight or nine years old. Um, and I never really progressed um, when I was a kid, I had a horrible guitar teacher that kind of ruined it for me. And as I kept trying as an adult, I just couldn't get to a place where, um, I could have any consistency. I would try to, I'd learn like a couple chords, but I didn't understand how to do transitions. I didn't really understand how to strum properly. Um, and I didn't have, I don't know, I wasn't into being consistent. It wasn't a priority. So now that you've heard from Jessica and what her life looked like before she had a guitar routine, let's fast forward and see what a guitar routine has done to improve her life. Here she is. So implementing a guitar routine has helped me immensely. Um, it's really, I have two young kids and so it's really easy for me to find at least 10 minutes in a day rather than um, like a half hour or an hour um, I can at least find 10 minutes. There's always 10 minutes somewhere. Um, so that's been really great. Um, I've been able to see improvement, which is for me a big deal. I like to see results when I try something. And so it's been nice to, um, go from, you know, knowing just a chord or two to playing, to being able to actually do some of the daily challenges and be successful at them. Um, it is a great motivator for me to continue. Um, and it's helped me realize what things are important in my life um, in general. I've had to prioritize guitar over other things that I would normally have done, like vegging out in front of the TV 
um, playing video games. You know, my goal is to play every day for at least 10 minutes. And so that might mean that I don't get to do the thing that I was looking forward to doing in the evening. Um, and instead I get to spend time playing the guitar and that's fun for me too. And it brings me closer to my um, goal of being able to play for my family. Yes, a simple guitar routine consisting of playing for a minimum of 10 minutes per day leads to consistent and regular progress, something that every single guitar geek needs on their guitar journey. So you're sitting there thinking, okay, I get it. If I don't have a routine, it's chaotic, it's random, not a lot of progress. Once I have a routine, I get daily progress and that's awesome, but how do I start a routine? Or my routine's not super awesome, what can I do to make it better? Well, leave it up to none other than Jessica B to share with us some tips and tricks. My advice for creating the routine would be um, start small and start with increments that you can be successful. So I think 10 minutes is a great you know, starting point, but maybe five minutes if that makes more sense. Um, and plan ahead. For, for me, what has worked best is knowing that I have a goal of trying to play for 10 minutes each day and thinking about the day before what my next day is going to be and then saying does it make sense to do it at my normal time after the kids are in bed or was I planning to watch a movie once they're asleep if that's the case where can I find 10 minutes in the day um, if I'm going up to the ski condo uh, make sure that I either do my 10 minutes before we leave or there's enough time to do it there. I even bought a guitar, just a cheap guitar, just to leave up at the ski condo. So I didn't even have to worry about that anymore. So just thinking ahead and planning out the day uh, before has been really successful for me. Um, and then also just being kind to yourself. <laughs> um, some days you may not hit that goal and acknowledging that sometimes life gets in the way and just try to do it again tomorrow. And if you have to cut it down to five minutes, if you have to cut it down to just picking it up and strumming the guitar once or twice, just anything to be successful for just a small increment of time. And when you start having fun, next thing you know, you're gonna be practicing for an hour and realize that it's time for bed and you've been doing this for an hour and a half. So that is my advice, uh, have fun and make the increments small enough that you can be successful. So awesome to hear from Jessica and how her guitar routine has had such a positive impact in her life. I love hearing stories like that. And it's so cool that it's led to a reprioritizing of sorts to where the guitar has really taken center stage, even though she has a busy family life. I mean, you heard it. She's got two kids and life can get a little crazy, but she's still carving out 10 minutes a day. And to me, that's just awesome. And it just goes to show that you can find 10 minutes a day. As crazy as your life may be, you can always find a 10 minute chunk to get your guitar playing in. And that leads to fun, fulfillment, and ultimately reaching and achieving your guitar dreams. Yes, indeed, it is now time for acoustic guitar news you can use. And kicking off the news report today is a signature model guitar from another folk music icon. We talked about Elizabeth Cotton throughout today's episode, and now we're gonna talk about another folk music icon from the education end of the spectrum. Yes, indeed, Happy Trom. That name may ring a bell because he is one of the foremost music guitar educators 
in the world. Well, Santa Cruz Guitars just announced a Happy Trom signature model. And what better person to introduce us to that guitar than Matt Chalka from Eddie's Guitars. Take it away, Matt. We've got a beautiful guitar to share with you. Uh, this is Happy's brand spanking new signature model. It's very closely based on an H13. And um, back years ago, um, before Santa Cruz Guitars was even really recognized and well known for being the custom shop that they are today, Happy actually sort of exercised a lot of those custom abilities that Richard and his small team had back then. Had some great guitars built for himself and to commemorate their relationship and Happy's career, they thought, let's, let's build him a signature guitar based on sort of a culmination of a few guitars that were built by Santa Cruz for him over the years. And the H13 being one of his favorite models, uh, they thought that was a perfect platform to start with. Uh, moving on to our next news item, it's a new song. It's a new song from one of my favorite artists, Coulter Wall, with Summer Dean. I've been a Coulter Wall fan for quite some time. In fact, I was introduced to Coulter Wall on the Acoustic Tuesday show. Pretty darn cool. Way back on like episode 20, somebody sent me an album, and from that point forward, I've been a huge Coulter Wall fan. Well, anyways, Coulter Wall and Summer Dean combined to release a brand new song, and you just have to hear it. It is a thing of pure beauty. Let's take a listen. So just make your move. You got nothing to prove. You're lucky she's blue. You're lucky she's lovesick. And nipping along. There's no cure but time for past love unkind in a busted up home. Make sure to check out the full song, You're Lucky She's Lonely by Summer Dean and Coulter Wall. It is quite the sonic snack for your ear teeth to crunch and munch on. Yes, often I imagine our ears have little teeth and they, they eat the sonic snacks we, we deliver to them. I know it's weird. Don't ask me. I've got one more thing on my news list today, and that's an artist I want you to check out. A new artist in the folk music scene, a very young artist in the folk music scene. But if you listen to her, you would never imagine that she's as young as she is. Let me introduce you to Nora Brown. Let's have a listen. And if my mama What a 
phenomenal artist and wise well beyond her years. She's only 15 years old. Nora Brown, ladies and gentlemen, what, what a phenomenal, phenomenal artist. We've mentioned quite a few phenomenal folk artists today. Phenomenal folk artists, that's kind of a, a tongue twister. We talked about Elizabeth Cotton. We talked about Happy Tron. We talked about Nora Brown. And I think on that note, it's time to wrap up the Acoustic Tuesday show for today. But first, let's take a sneak peek into next week. And next week, I'll be discussing the best acoustic blues albums ever to be recorded. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, next week's gonna be a fun trip into the blues, the acoustic blues world. Make sure to check out Acoustic Tuesday, of course, next week and every single Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time here on YouTube. I wanna thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Thank you for being a guitar geek, and please remember this. Your guitar success, however you define it, is directly related to your guitar routine. So please invest the time in your guitar routine and make sure to have fun every single day that you play. Thank you again for joining me today. Guitar Geeks Unite, and I'll see you next Tuesday on the Acoustic Tuesday Show. Cheers. Mm -hmm.